Hello, my name is Dean Bobar, and I am the Adult Life Minister at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. As a church, we are seeking to cultivate a vibrant community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world so our neighbors may also experience God's goodness. You're listening to our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. Throughout the rest of the year, we will be making our way through the wisdom literature and the prophetic books. For the most part, we will be dealing with poetry in the Old Testament portions. So I thought it would be good to do a special podcast topic on how to read biblical poetry. After we talk a bit about the difference between poetry and prose, we will unpack together the three main characteristics of biblical poetry. So let's get started. In the Old Testament, poetry is different from prose. However, it's important to emphasize that there's not a very sharp distinction between the two. Think in terms of a continuum instead of two separate categories. Having said that, prose typically takes more space and uses less imagery to narrate events or lay out a series of ideas. You can think of prose as utilizing more straightforward language. A great way to explore this is to compare two passages in Judges that relate to the same event, namely the victory of the Judges Barak and Deborah over Sisera. For the prose account, read Judges chapter 4, verses 16 through 23. The poetic version of the same event is found in Judges chapter 5, verses 19 through 31. Read both passages and then note the different features of each one. Now, let's get into the three main characteristics of biblical poetry. Parallelism, terseness, and the use of imagery. Let's start with parallelism. Take a moment and think about the poetry you may have encountered at school or college. What characteristics come to mind? Well, if you grew up in the United States, perhaps you're thinking of rhyming words at the ends of lines, rhythm, and meter, and things like that. For biblical poetry, there is a rhyming of ideas, and this is key. Two or more lines are put together to rhyme ideas in one way or another. There are several different kinds of relationships that we find between different poetic lines. Here are three common ones. First, synonymous parallelism, where the second line is similar to the first. A good example of this is Psalm 77, verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. Antithetical parallelism is the second one, where the second line contrasts with the first. Psalm 30 verse 5 is a good example of this. For his anger is for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. You can see there the contrasting ideas between the two lines, speaking of God. Finally, there's climactic parallelism, where the second line expands the first. This is also called synthetic parallelism. Psalm 100 verse 3 says this, and it's a good example. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Are you beginning to see how parallelism works in biblical poetry? 
When different lines are read together, the sum is greater than the parts. The more you start to pay attention to it, the more you can see how it works. Next, we have to learn about terseness in biblical poetry. What we find in this poetry is that what is said is communicated in as few words as possible. Now, there will be times when different forms of parallelism are also in prose, such as in Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. But it is terseness in combination with parallelism that sets poetry apart from prose in the Old Testament. Finally, the last characteristic of biblical poetry is the use of imagery. Again, we find some imagery in prose, but in biblical poetry, there is much imagery that is utilized in a variety and in a bunch of creative ways. Imagery in biblical poetry can be thought of in terms of a word picture. The two most common forms of a comparison that creates these word pictures are similes, explicit comparisons, and metaphors, where two things are compared and simply equated without the words like or as. Since we'll have been ending the Psalms, I thought it would, we might use Psalm 150 as an example. This is the Psalm. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a fitting ending to the Psalms, huh? This Psalm draws us in through its parallelism, terseness, and vivid imagery. Notice the terseness in each line. The words praise the Lord frame the whole psalm. And in the first two verses, God is pictured as being in his sanctuary in heaven. And then the reasons for praising him are laid out. Then in synonymous parallelism, we can picture with the mind all the different ways we can praise God as his people in verses 3 through 5. Finally, in the last verse, everything that has breath is enjoined to praise the Lord. This psalm, like all biblical poetry, captures the imagination as well as the intellect, and the heart as well as the mind. Poetry makes up about one-third of the whole Bible, Old and New Testaments. So if we can learn to read biblical poetry well, we can hear God speak to us more fully through his word, through more parts of the scriptures. Thanks so much for joining us for our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our Year in the Bible campaign to subscribe or learn how you can become engaged with us as a church, please visit us at cpchb.org.